Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Career Retrospectives right here on the Super Review Show. And as always, I'm joined by my good man, Kyle. Hey. Glad to have you back once again, my friend. Glad to be here again. Yeah, I love your new mic, too. It's great. <laughs> Finally, uh, good quality on huh? Oh, yeah. And uh, if, in, so in case you're not unaware, everyone, tonight's discussion is on the very well-rounded 2015 album by Panic at the Disco, Death of a Bachelor. So we're going to do a full-fledged discussion on that tonight and uh, sit back and enjoy. So let's get into, um, well, you, you want to get into the track listing really quick or what, 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 what do you want to start with? We could start, let's start with uh, just general where they were at with the album and then we'll get into the track okay. list later. Cool. Let's, let me share my screen, huh? Cause I got some stuff pulled up for you. Sorry about that. Ooh. Here we go. Cool. So Death of Bachelor. Kyle, I mean, you, you're full disclosure. You were a Panic at the Disco get-go fan from the, like, the early days. I, I, cause this was the album that got me into them. Truthfully. I had no idea who they were until this album was, which is unusual. I get it, but Tell me, what were your initial impressions? What was, where were they coming from? What, what was going through your head when this album came out? So, well, first I want to say that that's interesting to me that this album was your uh, introduction to them. Yeah. Because yeah, it had hits on it. Like, don't get me wrong, it had big hits on it. But usually when I hear people talk about Panic! The Disco, they were either here already, like me, from the early days when the first album came out, or they came in with the album that followed this with High Hopes being such a hit. So actually High Hopes ending being the biggest song of their career. So it's interesting to me when I hear people getting into the different points. Uh, but yeah, for me, I was a fan, you know, back when I write Sins, Not Tragedies came out. Uh, mm-hmm. Like many people, that song really got me into them. And then I went out, got the album, and man, that album was so good. It was such a, it, it's now a, like a pop punk classic. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, from there, they went through so many different sounds throughout their history. I mean, talk about a band that never does the same album twice. Mm-hmm. And like the disco, I mean, you have the pop punk classic. You have, and then you have them going into uh, Pretty Odd which, you know, essentially just a like a very folk-influenced album with also yeah. some, like, Beatles influence in there, too. Great album. And then from there, you just have them going back to the pop-punk a little bit on the following album, Vices and Virtues. And, you know, it was good. Lost a little bit of traction there. And then, so over the years, they did kind of go down in popularity, not in a you know, nothing significant, I would say, but there's definitely some people that fell off. And then to, uh, what's the album called? Oh my God. Too weird to live. Something like that. Too weird, too weird to live, too weird to die. Too weird to die. Yeah. As you could tell by my butchering of the album title, I'm not the biggest fan of that album. (laughs) I got that album the day it came out, very excited for it. And I was pretty hugely let down i mean again impressive that they can pull off the sound that they were going for it was just not for me so when this album came out this was such a return to form in a way not to their original sound i'll say but to just 
making great quality music. So for me, this album, and I have so many great memories with this album that I didn't even realize how long ago this came out until, you know, started listening to it again for this. And man, it does not feel like that long ago. And now I feel even older. I testament to that. I agree. (laughs) I remember just when this came out, this came out around winter time, actually around the time we're at now, I think a couple of weeks before in the year, but I had so many good nights, just like winter nights driving at night with this album going on just up and down the highway. So good. Perfect album for that. I mean, I got it just on the release date alone. It was January 31st or January, I think 30th okay. of 2016, which I was, again, I was looking, I was like, wait, it's coming up. But the anniversary is coming up later this month. I was like, what? And you're right. It doesn't feel that old. I mean, just, I mean, in you know, 2016 was a, a long time ago for some people, but it's hard to yeah. believe that this album is so old already. It's crazy. So I know it's, it's insane. I didn't even think about it. Even the album that followed this. Yeah, 2018. A few years old now. I mean, we're coming uh, up on four years. With Pray for the Wicked. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, th- but those are all your overall like initial thoughts, impressions, and whatnot as well. Yeah. I mean, my overall impressions is this is, this is full disclosure, my favorite Panic the Disco album. Yes. Uh, I, I second yeah, that. I by think the way. this is really when. Brendan hit his stride as a songwriter. I think that this has their best songwriting on it. And I think that that even includes Pray for the Wicked. This album, the songwriting quality is so good. Like the song structure, everything about it. There's not a bad song on this album. And this is really, he, the first, the album before this was his first real album as like the solo guy in Panic! The Disco. Yeah. And so I think, you know, he had to figure that out. And this album, you know, he figured it out and he perfected on this. And I'm going to be honest, I would be fine if he remains the only one that has creative input. I don't need the other guys after hearing this album. I second that, truthfully. Um, Don't get me wrong. I don't want to disrespect the other members because they were all great. They all, you know, they all contributed to the early work. But I mean, if this is the quality of music that we get with just Brendan's input, then I'm fine with it. Continue on, Brendan. Yes. Brendan, you're, if you're out there listening to yeah. us, please release another album soon. We were impatiently waiting for the next Panic album. Just saying. I'm still waiting on the metal version of the calendar to come out that he played uh-huh. on uh, Twitch that time. That, for those of you who don't know, Brendan Yuri of Panic of the Disco does a Twitch stream and he released was the, the calendar metal version and he released like his own solo metal like like track dude <laughs> it was so, so good. good it was so good and we just have such like a bad quality version of it to to work with I know it's so hard to like interpret it but that was like what 2019 when he did that yeah. stream on Twitch so that um, was pre-COVID so yes yeah, probably about 2019 yeah I, I, I hope I hope they're not done for, I mean, I, I, I doubt he's done, but like, let's oh, face it. We're all like, we're all craving for that next album of his. So, mm-hmm. um, but my, truth be told, my impressions of like my initial thoughts, like, like I said, from the top of the hour, 
this was the album that got me at least i i had never heard of them honestly got to, I, until this album came out I'm like oh this is band peg of the disco this is their fifth album too what and my initial thought process because what, what got me into it was a friend of my for, for someone i was friends with in high school true story uh she was really a big fan of like their first album and you know a couple of hits off like pretty odd and you know the next couple albums as well but i truth be told i was like all right let me give this album a shot and for some reason when i I was just getting into them as the singles for this album were coming out so like i heard like a couple like hallelujah hit a couple of you know i heard hallelujah then i heard the, the title track we'll get to it in a second death of a bachelor i was like this is very kind of something out of left field for me. I'm like, I'm like, this is crazy. I never would have thought I would have enjoyed like contemporary. Cause my big thing at the time was like listening to like classic or classic rock artists or like, I was just getting, getting into some alternative rock artists and whatnot and pop rock and whatnot. But this album was my first exposure to them. And my, Oh my, what an album to get into. Like, and we'll, we'll get into the track listing in a second. But like, like I said, this, this album was like just such a I was like, man, I want to like see these guys live too. And this guy's got such a wide listen, Kyle, truth be told, my grandfather got into them with this album. And I could see that with the way this album was. I'm not too surprised by that. Like he loves the song Death of a Bachelor because it sounds like Frank Sinatra. It sounds yeah. like a swing song, you know. Yeah, he has the crooning vocals on it. And I wish I, you know, I hope in the future we see a lot more of that from him. Yeah, it was I something I thought was missing from "Pray for the Wicked." Yeah, I agree. I gotta say too. Another thing, on just on the top of the hour as well with this topic, he I know that Brendan went on when this album first came out. He said, "Well, like, I would love to do a jazz record. I'd love to do like a metal record. I'd love to diversify my different sounds of it as an artist." Now I want because I have full creative freedom. Why not? You know that'd be something. But I I will take anything he wants to give me musically. You know he. He's proven that he can do any genre, you know, so far and do it well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, we had, like I said, the pop punk albums. We had uh, essentially folk and like 60s influenced album. We have whatever Too Weird to Live and whatever was that a weird experiment. A lot of like, like, like a pop album, yeah. Techie stuff in there. Not really my thing. And then we had this album, which to me, is the perfect combination of all of their sounds and building on it. This is to me what Panic the Disco should be, but they kind of strayed away from it. Yeah. Uh, you know, with Pray for the Wicked, they went a more pop route, which is still good. It's still a good album. But I'm hoping that, like you said, I'm hoping he does like dive into other genres in the future. I mean, if, if that metal version of the calendar and that metal song that we heard on Twitch was one thing that, oh my God. And but you, you can find the videos of this one, like of the, someone took 15 minutes of his two hour Twitch stream and put it on YouTube of that one segment of the metal song. I'm like, bruh, <laughs> you would yeah. kill with that. <laughs> like it's, it's mind boggling. Even if you wanted to do just an album of different versions of already existing songs, that'd be so much fun. I'd be, I'd be down for it. I would love that too. I mean, I'm a big yeah. fan of him as like a vocalist as well. He he's proven he can do range. So this and you know what, talking about him as a vocalist, this album I think is the one that really set him apart from the crowd as a vocalist. 
like everyone knew yeah brendan Urich is a good vocalist but this album came out and it was like oh he's a really good vocalist like he is top-notch another level vocalist yeah no i second that man he was like he if, if, and for those of you who are listening or watching whatever if you have not heard him sing at all this is a great great start to his like i mean his pop punk and you know pr- pretty odd and like all the prior albums and including pray for the wicked this really cemented him as a fantastic fantastic vocalist oh my god like you know it's crazy so yeah yeah i mean even take i it was either this tour or the following one where they started doing bohemian rhapsody it was this tour. Um, it was this tour because i if i, I you, you you haven't it, seen them yet right i have not but okay man, it well, takes it takes a lot of guts for someone to get up stage get up on stage and cover bohemian rhapsody in full it's everything in full everything included not just we're going to play the verses and then let the crowd sing the rest no he sings it near flawlessly yeah it's on a consistent basis and it's incredibly impressive it really is he, he loves queen as well he's a big queen fan and he loves that song but i gotta tell you when i i saw them just on a side note with them touring i saw them on the pray for the wicked tour at uh the garden and i gotta tell you full disclosure it was my first screaming girl concert in general. Like the girls were like screaming at him. And like, I remember there's, there's so many memorable things about that show, truthfully. But one of the two things that stand out to me, one was the encore was, I mean, the set list was the same that the whole tour it wasn't, it wasn't too much of a difference, but I will say though, they did do two covers. They did Bohemian Rhapsody and then did girls just want to have fun as well by Cindy Lauper. They did that. Yeah, they did that. And another thing they did when on that tour was, they did a solo piano, like flying over the audience. I remember that. But also, I got to tell you, the two things that stood out to me that Brendan Urie did on stage was, and this is why he's a true performer. You have to see him. He's one of the many greats that are either currently doing it great or are going to do it incredibly well in the next 10 years. But remember, the encore, he was shirtless and he was ripped, and all the girls were screaming at that. That's the first thing. The second thing was, and I remember this as clear as day, everyone freaked out. He was singing... Um, I think it was ready to go out of my mind, and he dabbed on stage. Oh God! And I just hear me out for a second. He <laughs> dabbed on stage, and the place went like ballistically. And this is in twenty like eighteen, twenty nineteen. He's screaming his head out, and I was like, "Oh my God, he dabbed!" And I was like, "Oh my God!" <laughs> was, what a diverse crowd! Too. I mean, there's a lot of girls. Don't get me wrong, but like, it was like nice to see other people like of different like age groups as well, too, which was great. Yeah, and that, you know that's something that you know we touched on a few weeks ago with Green Day. Yeah, uh, I would say Panic the Disco is the same way, where it's pretty incredible. Every time they put an album out, they get a new group of fans. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, their fans—you know—they don't really go, they don't run the gamut as much as you know, in terms of age, as much as Green Day. I mean, they haven't been around as long. Right. I mean, you have people that were there from the first album that are still showing up mm-hmm. and you have people that are found out about them a couple months ago that are going to show up. Hey, you know, it, it's pretty astounding. And this has happened throughout their career. Yeah. He's everyone, you know, everyone that's heard Panic the Disco. I've not, I haven't met a single person 
that doesn't like something that they have put out, or even if they're not a fan of them, they still appreciate the work that they've put out. Yes, absolutely. So that's just, I mean, that we, I'm sure we can go on for hours just talking about them as a band and brand yeah. new vocals and last night, but let's, let's delve into the actual track listing, some of the behind the scenes stuff of this record. Now, if, if we full disclosure, this is the Wikipedia page for those you're wondering. But oh no, so I came in on January 15th, 2016. My mistake. I was right. You're right. That's my bad. Um, man, what a and I it was their first number one album, too. First first debut number one on the Billboard 200, which I thought was great. What a big I mean, win. And again, you know, it shows right here. Certified double platinum for an album that comes out from a, you know rock band i know they're not you know particularly much rock anymore but for a rock band you know pop rock pop punk band to put out an album that goes double platinum in you know the mid to late 2010s especially in today's day and age of streaming it's really impressive oh yeah absolutely you don't see albums go platinum that much anymore which is unfortunate, but yeah. Yeah. And then that's even, you know, to say pop albums too. So it's, it's a very impressive feat when one does. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's definitely whenever it, it's seeing a platinum album in general, it's great. But when, when it happens to something like this too, which is, you know, I, mean, I don't know how big you are on the Grammys, but it was nominated for rock album of the year too. I and that. very well deserving. Yeah, It didn't win, but <laughs> Hey, so. What did win? I wonder, I wonder. Let's see. I, let's, let's fact check really quick. Hold on. Because it was right during the uh, Grammy Awards for Best Rock Album in 2017. I want to just see this for one second. I'm wondering. I'm trying to think what rock albums came out in 2017. Okay. It was Cage the Elephant, Cage the Tell Elephant. Me I'm Pretty. Oh, no. And, and, no. No disrespect to Cage the Elephant, but Death of a Bachelor and California were nominated for that. Even Weezer, which I will say that Weezer album was one of their better ones. Yeah. Didn't deserve to win. Glad it was nominated. But man, Cage the Elephant had no business beating either of those albums. I second that. <laughs> Let's just be real. Again, no disrespect to them. You know, they're great musicians, but man, Death of a Bachelor and California. This, this is why I don't watch the Grammys, man. I, I, Yes, we both I'm, agree with that. I'm looking down just the list right now, just to get a sidetrack real quick. I'm looking down the list right now of just these years, and I'm looking at what was nominated versus what won, and I'm like, how? How? <laughs> Given yeah, 2021, no, I, I haven't heard a single one of these. But up until that, it, it's astounding. Although Fall Out Boy's Mania definitely didn't even deserve to be nominated, but <laughs> story for another day. Yeah, well, well, that's a whole other thing for another time. Yeah. But, uh, oh but God, yeah. That just, that's wild. This album, well, I think California probably should have won. But this album definitely deserves to be nominated. Uh, hell yeah, man. It's it's like, it's one of, I think it's their best album oh, by hands far. Down. Hands down. So, but yeah, like it's, and also this was the last album with their their official lineup as well before it became like a solo project thing. That's, we got to talk about that too. Yeah. And what's the name? Dallin Weeks was their bassist, and then he left after the tour, right? I believe so. And now I believe now he's in another uh, project. 
Uh, I don't know how, but they found me. I believe he's in now. Yeah, but that's the group because it's, it's actually well. that group um, is actually a Panic at the Disco, Panic at the Disco member like spinoff thing. Yeah, as well as um, one of the guys who used to be in the band Falling in Reverse, uh, Ryan Seaman. He's in he's in that as well. And it, yeah, they're right. Yeah, I, mean, I like them. They're cool. I like their whole shtick. That's like, oh, it, it, it's secret tapes that were like lost from a band from like the '80s or whatever it is. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I hear them on an alt nation on XM too, but uh, yeah, but panic, death of a bachelor man. And look at the first off, just look at the look at the genres for those of you who are listening, you won't be able to see this, but there's genres for this one album were pop rock, pop rock, jazz, alt rock, power pop, and some RB in there. I mean, what a diverse like style too for them, too. Yeah. I mean, this album, I will say, is probably the most experimental that they've gotten on a single album. Mm-hmm. You know, they I think I would probably say Pretty Odd was probably their most experimental. Oh, yeah. But that whole album sounded the same. In terms of trying different sounds on one album, it's got to be this one. And they pulled it off every single second. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to the track listing in a second. But yeah, like this, like they're from, from the opening because i was listening to it on, uh, before i came back today i was at a doctor's appointment i was listening to it on the way back i'm like man this is some great songs like victorious opens up the album fantastic opening in my opinion yeah so, what well, probably their best album opener yeah i oh, mean hands down victorious is such a good song it <laughs> No, no, that was Hallelujah. Hallelujah used to be my alarm on my phone in college for so long to the <laughs> point where for a while I couldn't listen to the song anymore because it would remind me of waking up for class. <laughs> That's funny. But uh, Victorious funny. is such a good kickoff to the album and such a fun, upbeat song. Yeah. And I believe that's the music video, the, the stereotypical boxing music video, if I'm not mistaken. So. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, every band needs at least one, but yeah, I mean, even like the writers on it, yeah, Rivers Cuomo from Weezer writing on it. I, yeah, stacked writing credits. Yeah, this is probably the, this is the first one they, where they had different like writers involved, but I mean, hey, it worked out in their favor, in his favor. So, yeah, I mean, I'll never, I'll never fault people for having uh, multiple writers if it comes out good. I, I second that. Um, so that's victorious. It's going to don't threaten me with a good time. A, a bop, a bop. Oh yeah, one of my favorite. The riff, though, I don't know if you knew this, the riff was stolen or or I, I, stolen from back in letter word sampled from, from Rock Lobster from the B fifty twos. Yep, I love that when I first heard it. I was like, oh, that's so fun. But yeah, the lyrics on this, again, this thing about this album, it just it, this was uh, this song in particular, but back when i was in college and we would have like you know we kind of like party a little bit in like the dorms this song i would always, like this album i was put on the background and it always fits so well just like such a fun like hanging out at night with your friends having a good time album and oh, specifically yeah. this song oh man it it's so good i second that notion like that that's what is it? it's three minutes 33 seconds it's so it encapsulates it truly encapsulates the moment and it makes you feel like oh my god 
this is like, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I really am threatened with a good time like, for lack of a better words. I mean, in the lyrics, yeah. he does a really good job lyrically, like painting a picture. Like it's, it's a very vivid song lyrically. Oh yeah. Totally. I think it works really well. Yeah. I, I, that's, I, you're right. Actually, I forget how good his lyrics were on this record too. I forget yeah. how good they were. Um, Hallelujah. I don't know if you knew this because whenever Spotify should get on it and put the put the text back on like on if you're listening to them on like a tv or whatever they have like the background lyrics like behind the behind the yeah. behind the lyrics type of thing yeah. this intro to hallelujah was sampled i found out and it was actually written by the band chicago did you know this i did not okay so the horn intro that we all know from hallelujah was fully was sampled from a song from a 1966 Eight nine, I forget how old that is, but the song by uh, Questions sixty seven and sixty eight by Chicago. If you listen to that song, pan, the opening of that song, they open like the opening like twenty seconds is the opening of Hallelujah. Full full disclosure, I don't know if you knew that, but it's pretty cool. Interesting, yeah, I did not know that. So I mean, I, I don't know if anyone's a big Chicago. I mean, I like Chicago quite a bit, but that's why it says Robert Lamb is one of the writing credits. Yeah. He's one of the members of Chicago. So it's you know just I don't know, I don't know if you ever knew that because like it's. I, I recognize it because I know Chicago, but at the same time, I'm like, wait, they took that from Chicago. What's going on? <laughs> but I, it was a good move, though. Yeah, it works great. Yeah. I got to tell you the truth. Emperor's new clothes scared the crap out of me on the way back there because I haven't listened to it in a long time. It's like binders, keepers, losers, weepers. I'm like, what? But it's, also, it's him taking over the band because he's he is the band. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that song it's pretty middle of the road for the album for me. It's a great song. Yeah. Uh, you know, the music video is super cool. Oh yeah. I don't know that this, this, uh, this song for whatever reason has always been just a middle of the road one for the album for me. Not again, this is an album made up of all just 11 incredible songs. So saying that one of them is middle of the road is still mm. a great compliment. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. No, that's, Ain't that the truth? I mean, just it, I think to me, some of the sampling on this song, like just some of the effects that were thrown in, is a little weird. And I know that's what they were going for, but sometimes I listen to it, it throws me out of it a little bit. Yeah, like the it, it kind of was a little scary, for lack of a better word. Truth, <laughs> yeah, it's very, uh, I guess, like not exactly like Nightmare Before Christmas type like vibe going on. Yeah, no, yeah, there are some things like this. I'm, I, I was like, when this first song came, because I listened to it from start to finish before I got home. Yep. So did I. And I was like, yeah, I was like, what? And that, that, you're right. It is, it is a little like strange of a track, but mm-hmm. it's it, still good. It has something just like some effects and choices in it that are just kind of jarring in context of the album because it's so different than oh, yeah. everything else. Again, not a bad thing. No, of course. But um, but yeah. Now let's get to what my grandfather still says. Alexa, play "Death of a Bachelor" by Panic at the Disco. Playing <laughs> "Death of a Bachelor" by Panic at the Disco. Now on Amazon Music. Full disclosure: we are not sponsored by them at all. <laughs> but "Death of a Bachelor," what a song! What a song! Oh yeah, I remember when I first heard this song. Yeah, I was blown away because, again, like I said earlier always known he was a great singer when i heard this i was like oh so he can he can pull off some like old school like frank sinatra stuff now huh yeah and then the way 
he can go from like just the crooning and then he'll just go into like a falsetto in the middle of it. it the amount of vocal control and the amount of just vocal pure vocal talent that he showcased on that song is that could have been a just a standalone single and i still would have just listened to it over and over again it's so good and i hope we see more like this i second that because i mean going to pray for pray for the wicked for one second there was some songs on there not quite as similar but they were like more pop produced in a sense but i mean this mm-hmm. is like if you were to say with Panic and the Disco signature song, I feel like this people would contend this might be one of them. Honestly, I, I would put I would put this as one of them. Yeah. If someone asked like what give me three Panic the Disco songs to get me into them, I'd probably give them I write sins not tragedies because I mean you have to. Yeah. Uh, Death of a Bachelor, and honestly, probably uh, this is gospel. Okay. Specifically, the acoustic version. Oh my god! Kills it, and that was that was really to me the precursor to Death of a Bachelor. Yes, like that is probably the closest they got to this sound before this album. And this, I was so glad to see it again here. And man, this song is honestly i think one of the best vocal feats of any any male singer at least of the past probably 10 years you and me both <laughs> that's oh, i we're on the same page with that that's that's absolutely true um crazy equals genius full disclosure really quick when i first read the title of the song I'm like what the hell is he thinking Crazy equals with the equal sign. But then I listened to it. And as a Beach Boys fan, I'm like, what? He's talking about how yeah. the creativity process. I'm like, this guy's a freaking lyrical genius. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and he's not wrong. Yeah. Go listen to most songwriters out there, especially, you know, back in the day. And, you know, not so much now with pop radio. It's, you know, a lot of manufactured stuff. But any, any like songwriter, they're pretty crazy people. You know, oh, yeah. there's a reason that their music is so good. And this yeah. song, I love that the song itself sounds crazy too. <laughs> like everything about the song sounds wild. Like the horns, the, the, the drums. Horns, yeah. yeah. It's like the jazzy vibe. Yeah. Like almost like a swing feel to it. Mm hmm. Oh my god! But like, and for those you're wondering why we said the Beach Boys, because in the song it says because you because you feel like Mike Love, but you want to be Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson, as you know or may not know, was the genius of the Beach Boys, and Mike Love was just like let's stick to the formula kind of thing and make hit songs. But Brian was obviously the genius. There's a whole there's documentaries of that on YouTube. You can find that anywhere else. But like, and then there was true. Yeah. And they had the they had like the biopic two years ago. Beach yeah. Boys biopic that. Very good. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Was it was it it wasn't Love and Mercy, right? No, no. I forget movie? what it was, but there I haven't seen it in years. I gotta go back and rewatch it. Yeah. Um, and, and just on a full disclosure, if anyone wants to like understand Beach Boys material material more, there's a YouTuber by the name of Jeffrey Stillwell. He's really got a big beach beach boys freak, but he'll talk about stuff like that too. If you want to check him out too. Um, ready? 
You ready? Oh, yeah, let's go into it. L.A. devotee. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to you go first. What? I'm going to you go first. L.A. devotee. Oh, my God. <laughs> A.K.A. my favorite Panic! The Disco song. No doubt. <laughs> oh, yeah. This. Wow. This song is. I don't even know how to describe it in a way that does it justice. It is probably, in my opinion, the most fun song that they have. Like, I had definitely have the best time listening to this one. And again, he paints a great picture with the lyrics, with the slight exception to the misheard lyric in the chorus uh, about, you know, the sweaty balls on the desert sky, man. Yeah. Uh, he says swimming pools. To this day, I cannot make myself hear that, nor can anyone else that I know. So I don't believe that's what he's saying. Yeah, I, the, I the lyrics might say that, but... <laughs> I refuse to believe that's what he said. It it takes my ear so much straining to hear that. Yeah, like that's... <sighs> but it's so good. But the drums oh, and then... Oh, my God. <laughs> when I was listening to the album the very first time actually like when i first got it like all the way through yeah when i went through it i texted uh my friend afterwards because we both got it. i was like oh did you finish the album he was like no i was like skip right now to la devotee i was like go back to the rest of it later but go to this song right now and he messaged me back he's like dude that song is sick i was like yeah i know i was like this is what i've been waiting for for them and i got it and it's awesome it goes over live really well too just i know you haven't seen them but it goes over really well i can live. imagine it's it, again this song it's fun and this is what bands i feel like miss a lot of the times and it's what i love about this album a lot is so many people especially recently in recent years i say the past i uh, almost 10 years now mm-hmm. especially pop radio no one has fun anymore Go turn on the pop radio right now. It's all mid-tempo, minimalistic songs that are all sad. This album, they're like, you know what? We're just going to have mostly fun songs. And it went over so well. This song is reminds me of, you know, not to the extent and completely different sound. But, you know, back in the 80s, like the, the L.A. glam scene, back oh, when yeah. everyone was like, all rock bands were partying and stuff. That is the vibes that this song gives me, and it's what I've been missing from music for quite a while. And, you know, again, completely different sound than that music. But for something to, like, capture that, you know, that spirit again, I loved it. Can't get enough of it. It's 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 a fantastic song. And like I said, we said this from the get-go, if you've not heard this album or this song, just start with Ellie Devotee and then go from there. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I, you know, start with Death of a Bachelor, then go to Ellie Devotee, and then just listen to the whole thing. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, I got to tell you, for some reason, this next song, Golden Days, I put Ellie Devotee and Golden Days back to back, anyways. But I put Golden Days up, like, if I were to like, put it in like a, a playlist or shuffle or whatever, I would go Golden Days first into Ellie Devotee to kind of like not redeem <laughs> myself because I still love the track, but. That's okay. Great. So uh, Golden Days for me, it's definitely one of the weaker songs of the album. 
Yeah. But I think that has to do with it, it kind of sounds all over the place at a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of points where I feel like all the instruments get kind of drowned out in each other, like specifically during the chorus. But it makes me feel really nostalgic. <laughs> it makes me it, it and you know that's what he's trying to do. And it works. And that's the I think that's what really shows a great songwriter is when they do exactly what they set out to do. And he did it perfectly with this song. It has the nostalgic vibe there that makes you be like, man, I do really miss those golden days. And every time I hear it, I had it happen today. I was listening to it. I was like, man, because, you know, even at the time when it came out, I was like, yeah, I miss those golden days. And at the time, those golden days was like years ago for that would have been high school. And now I'm listening to it again today. I'm like, wait a minute. This album came out like over six years ago now yeah so now i'm like now i'm thinking those golden days i'm like i'll think about back to college and i'm like oh my god (laughs) yeah time flies man it's crazy and this song really makes you think about it and it the lyrics are great i just wish that the music was a little more cohesive in itself yeah i agree with that um now i gotta tell you the truth the last three songs, my, I would say they're not like, they're definitely not up to par with the first like seven. And that's no that's no slur to the album. But I will say the good, the bad, and the dirty, I do have fun with it though. It's still fun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to have some memories and impossible here in a second. But what's, what's your take on the good, the bad, and the dirty? Good, the bad, and the dirty. I remember the day the album came out. Actually, before that, yeah. I believe the album had leaked. Uh, you know, back when albums used, when they used to leak pretty often and it was a big thing. And some like boards I was on, whatever it was, they were like, oh, this song sounds like the most like classic Panic! The Disco. This is the one to hear. So I got like super excited to hear this one on first listen. I listened to it and I said to myself, I guess it sounds like classic Panic! The Disco, but I was like, it's not as good as the other stuff. I, I probably put this as my second least favorite on the album. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's, you know, it's a fun one, but it's, I don't know. It doesn't compare to the other ones for me. No, I would say it's definitely, to be fair, I mean, like I, if you were to, if, if you were to, because I listened to this sound before, fully before we started this uh, show tonight. And I got to tell you, the first eight songs to me are, are great. And I'm putting Golden Days in there too because it's I like it overall. But once you get to the good, the bad, and the dirty, and it's I still like it, but it's definitely not one of my – I wouldn't like listen to it over and over again like the way I would with L.A. Diva T or Empress or Hallelujah or whatnot as well. It's just kind of boring, I think, is what it is. Yeah. Vocally, I like what he's doing. He sounds like the vocals on it are great. I just musically, it just doesn't really do much for me. It's kind of boring. Yeah, unfortunately, but it, it, it's you know, it's still good for what it is. That's yeah. Me. House of Memories, your take on that? Least favorite on the album. Okay. Least favorite. It's okay. It's it's a good song. It's, it's well written. It just kind of bores me, especially coming right after Good, the Bad, and the Dirty. Right. Which is already kind of boring. And again, I'm saying all of this with love for the album. 
because I don't think there's a single bad song on the album. I think that all 11 of these songs are actually great songs. I agree. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to pick which one's your least favorite. And that's just where this one fits for me. Yeah. I, 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 has some memories. I mean, I'm listening to it again for the first time in a while. Like, because the album starts off with such like a like hard hitting, like not not hard hitting, but like just there's a, a the the perfect order and whatnot. And then the last, you know, three or four, you're like, eh, whatever. But but they, they overall the the other songs hold these up as well. So this is still a great album in general. And mm-hmm. that's what I'm at with it. I still like the track, um, personally. Um, but impossible year. Man, he has stuck to his record of ending albums on such like a sad note. <laughs> but his vocals on it were killer. But yes, rivals death of a bachelor. I yeah. love Impossible Year. Yeah. This it, to me, this album, the way it's laid out, and I'm curious to see what you think. To me, this album it it starts off like a fun. It's like upbeat, like partying and you know, all that fun stuff. And then you get about halfway through, well, more than halfway. It's probably about around golden days. And then it's kind of like the come, like looking back on it and then like the come down from the partying and and like the reflecting. And I like that a lot. It's It reminds me of what Green Day tried to do with the trilogy, but done much better in the context of one album instead of three separate albums. I agree with that. And yeah, I impossible year. It's the perfect way to end this. I couldn't picture him ending it any better than that. Yeah. And again, the vocals on it are so impressive. It again need more of this. <laughs> it's funny because I, I mentioned this a little when we were talking about Death of a Bachelor, the song. I let my listen, my grandfather listen to Impossible Year because he loves, he loves, he's like, oh, bro, when are you going to, he always, because as he goes to a ton of concerts, like, hey, when is Brendan Urie touring? When is he touring? I'm like, all right, listen. And he's like, and then he has cut me off and say, Alexa, play Death of a Bachelor, right? And this is pretty funny. But the net, but I forget, I, I played him Impossible Year and he's like, this guy is great. And mind you, he's like, he's like a 75 year old man at the time. He's like, 74 year old, 75 year old man saying, oh my God. This album, like it's like this guy's Brendan Eyre. What great vocals! Yeah, yeah. And I think the song gets overshadowed a lot by "Death of a Bachelor" just because "Death of a Bachelor" was a single. But this album, I think, this song, I think, even shows off his voice in some ways better. Shows off more range because the way you know he starts like the same way as "Death of a Bachelor." It's you know the the slow crooning, and then by the end of it. Man, he's just belting it out there. He's just letting it all out, and it sounds great every step of the way. I agree with that absolutely. He like the the fact that this. I mean, it's a, it's like a no. I wouldn't say it's a, it's a sad song, but it's like a it's a kind of a lower like all right, we're ending it on this note type of thing. But yeah, it's it's like a melancholy like looking back kind of song. Yeah, but I mean, I personally, I, I cannot emphasize his vocals are fantastic on that one track. I, yeah, I would, I would agree with you. I, I would say that it definitely rivals death of a bachelor's vocals a lot. So mm-hmm. It's just, it's, yeah. it's, and I think that the closest so we got to those kind of vocals again on pray for the wicked, I think was dying in LA was really the only, yeah, I think it was the only slow song in general on there. And even that, I don't think 
haven't heard that song in quite a while now, but I don't even think that song had like the crooning vocals in it. I think it was just a straight up ballad. Mm-hmm. It was, it was about, I remember he played it when I saw him on the Pray for the Wicked tour. Um, and he saw, he played it with, and the strip, mind you, I mean, people forget to the, he, like, he's, he's really good at orchestrating as well. So when the, because the first song they played at the show was, um, I'm not going to say it because of kids and whatnot, but F, a silver, a silver Lining was the first yeah. song at the show, right? Right. And full disclosure, the, the on stage, I remember the moment the show started, like, what the hell? There's strings and horns on stage. This is great. <laughs> like I forget yeah, that. Their performances, they're they're big performances. Yeah. You and have to see them. You have to see I them. I know. I know. I did you see them on the was that the tour they did with Weezer? No, that like, no, that was the Death of a Bachelor tour. I saw them on the tour, yeah. I saw them on the Pray for the Wicked tour, which was the for the High Hopes um tour and whatnot. Gotcha. Um, which they still did great. Um, you know, I was my the seats were not the best. I, I sat like the nosebleed seats, but I still could see like the stage fine and whatnot. Um, hmm. I, didn't, I didn't really take any video, but and also one thing actually, I don't know if I want to spoil it, but like, eh, it's, it's, I'm gonna say it during Death of a Bachelor, he comes out into the audience and starts shaking people's hands while he's singing, and because he goes yeah. to a B stage and yeah. then he goes on the piano there, but d- d- during the song, he's like, Oh, how are you? like mid song, and then the girl's like, What <laughs> really brilliant, but. A true entertainer, true class. Yeah, and he seems like a genuinely nice guy too. Oh, totally. Yeah, he's so like down to earth. So, um, oh, if we're gonna wrap it up. Like, what's your like initial like overall feelings and takeaways from Death of a Bachelor? I think that for me. I think this album, I wish, had more of an impact. Uh, You know, it did very well. It did great, but I think it came at a weird time in the music industry. Around 2016, 2015 or so is kind of when we started seeing this change on radio and pop music away from the upbeat, fun songs, even, you know, pop radio, everything included to these more boring melancholy like minimalistic songs yeah uh so i do think that overall it may not have the same lasting legacy as you know i write sins not tragedies still Mm -hmm. has today just because of the time it came out like i write sins not tragedies came out at that perfect time where that style of music was booming and they capitalized on that and it's still relevant today you know, almost going to be in a few years, almost 20 years later. That's frightening, but yes. It's very frightening to think about. But yeah, I mean, you know, back in those times you had like Green Day at their peak with American Idiot. You had like your Blink-182 still huge and, you know, all that. When this album came out, it was kind of around that weird time for music, but also it. I think that the album after this just because of high hopes pray for the wicked just because of high hopes i think is going to be the one that gets remembered more than death of a bachelor because of the one massive song on it and uh hey look my made it that was a pretty big song too yeah i think that that one will overshadow this a little bit i think that's a 
damn shame. Uh, I hope that's not the case. I hope I'm wrong. But I think this deserves to be a classic album. Uh, I agree. I would love to see more of this. I think that for me personally, I would say that this would be an influential album. Uh, I'll be curious to see in you know few years as time goes on to see whether or not it holds up to other yeah. people. I I agree. I mean, I, I honestly, like, I mean, this was for and and then we said you said you said at the top of the show how this is like an like, you're always fascinated to hear how people get into panic at different times and this was my introduction to them. So this is my like full disclosure. I love this album. I think it's great uh, from start to top. You know, we talked about it, of course. But I got to tell you, like, pray for the when, this is the album that got me excited for not only what came before, but what came after as well. Pray for the wicked. I mean, high hopes. Hey, look, mine made it. And let's not forget the first single, same in Saturday night, did did some well, did, did some decent airplay as well. Yeah, but it was not music, nowhere near, nowhere near the. High hopes, like charting at number four on the Hot 100 type of thing. Yeah. So, and staying and staying in the one Hot 100 for quite a while. Yeah, and so this is just my personal belief, and this is a side note as well. My belief personally is that the next Panic album, whatever comes of it, it, it whether it be a jazz album, a metal album, whatever it comes, there is such a thirst since High Hopes came out, and it reached a billion streams on Spotify. We can't forget that. I yeah. find that out a little while. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, I think it has more streams than I write since not tragedies does. It's a pat and the yeah. music video surpassed it. So right now there's a, a frothing of the mouth for panic, anything. So I think my belief is, and it's just my gut feeling. I hope to God, Brendan, here, if you're listening to this, you release something in the next year or two or this year, it was still January of 2022. You, you could surprise us later this year, or next year, but let's face it. If he whatever he releases, it's gonna chart high, in my opinion, because of the success of High Hopes and the success of the because what High Hopes did and, and what this album did too is it got people into what came before that wasn't really so mainstream, which is what I loved, which is which brought people like me into the fold. Where it when I was really young, you know, 2005 was a long time ago. I don't I don't remember I write since not tragedies. If anything, I, the, only, the only thing I really remember from like 2005 was Boulevard of Broken Dreams by Green Day. But that's another, another conversation for another time. But like, that's like I don't, I I love this band because I got into this album. That's that's me. But everyone's everyone came in at different points, and I mean I think we're all excited for the next one. So yeah, I'm super excited for whatever they put out, and I I find it very interesting. How and I, I'm wondering if this will happen with this album too. But I'm not quite sure. But when this album came out and kind of reinvigorated that love that a lot of people had for Panic the Disco, that I feel like kind of got lost a little bit over the years. Mm-hmm. In the years after this, I've noticed more and more people going back to their earlier work, specifically yeah. Pretty Odd, which was pretty you know panned by fans like. Fans did really not like it. Most people didn't care for when it came out. I've always liked it. I because I just like that style of music. But when it came out, I remember people did not like it. People are not happy. I mean, to this day, they'll only play nine in the afternoon off of it. Yep. And even then, I believe sometimes they don't even play that. I mean, yeah. it had its anniversary 
few years back. And the most he did was on stage, just be like, oh, happy birthday, pretty odd. But I've seen quite a few people now go back to him and be like, wait a minute, this is a really good album. And I'll be like, I've been saying this for years. Yeah. And I don't know if that'll happen with this album because everyone already re- like reveres this as a great album. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious to see what its impact will be, you know, another four years down the line when this album turns, you know, 10 or whatever. Don't get me started. That's like, that's literally like what? Four years four away? Years away. <laughs> yeah. Slightly oh less. God. Slightly less than four years away. Yeah. This is just my two cents on panic and as a band in general, whatnot. Um, Cause I saw them live. There was a lot of like, uh, there was a lot of like people like in their like late teens, like 18 plus year old audience. But I had to say there was a lot of like some older people as well. We talked about this, but there were some kids there as well. Cause they heard, mm-hmm. they heard high hopes. They heard, um, Hey, look, mine made it. And, and set so, to some extent, stay, stay in Saturday night, which I think is a great song, but um, I mean, I think that, like I said, I think that there's such a, th- I'm going to use that word again, the throthing of the mouth for anything panic at this point. Cause see, they've been quiet. He has been yeah. quiet since 2019. So. And when they, and when we say quiet, you hardly hear from the guy. Yeah, I mean, he, in this whole, like, God, hard to believe we're coming up on two years of COVID stuff, but yeah. Uh, I honestly can't remember the last time I really heard from him. I think if I'm not mistaken, Panic's Instagram posted something in like January of 2020, maybe if that at all. And Brendan's Brendan's Instagram as well has been quiet as well. I mean, I hope I hope to God he's writing music, but hey, I mean, maybe it's a good sign. Maybe it's a good sign. I hope so. Yeah, I hope I hope he's like he's waiting for like that that like um. I hope he's writing an album and then like he's gonna shock the world. Say, oh, it's coming out tomorrow or something like that. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Can you but, do me um, a favor, actually? Yeah. Can you go to the Wikipedia page for Pray for the Wicked real quick? Uh yes, hold on. I just want to see what label that was released on. Sure. Give me one second. For those of you who are listening, you won't be able to do this, but that's okay. Uh pray for the uh the label. Uh, okay, it was still on Fueled by Ramen. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting to me. Okay. Yeah, just uh, I think that they saw just a quick side note about Fueled by Ramen. They, um, in recent years, I've noticed that it seems like a lot of bands that get signed to them move away from their signature sound to a more pop sound. I mean, Panic has been on that for, you know, forever now. So right. I'm not too concerned with that. So I'm wondering if maybe the label saw the success of this album and then switched, had bands switch up their sounds. But just conjecture. I was just curious. Maybe. I mean, anything's possible, of course. But that's you no, know, that's me. But um, I don't know. I just overall, I got to tell you, like, I think whatever comes next with Panic. I mean, I'm just looking at some of the, the songs right here. But I got to tell you, whatever comes next for them, I am ready <laughs> let's just yeah. say that i'm ready um yeah i'm looking at some of these songs like I, I remember all of these but like some of them are just weird king of the clouds <laughs> yeah yeah or looking back on that one i'm not too too into the album yeah i mean it was good, it's I mean, that's good. the good songs weird. are really good and then the there's a lot of weird filler 
Yeah, like dancing's not a crime. Roaring twenties, anyone? <laughs> Roaring twenties was lame. I didn't like that. Roaring twenties was like it sounded to me like he was trying to redo Crazy Equals Genius. Almost, yeah. And it didn't work. Yeah, unfortunately. But again, he ended on a ballad of dying in LA. <laughs> yep. So, but um. But yeah, so I mean, overall, I mean that that's. I mean, let me go back to the death of Bachelor. I mean, that's any other comments for Death of Bachelor, or that's it. I think I pretty much covered everything I have to say about it. Uh, you know, I'll throw one more thing. Yeah, like we talked about uh, last week with Van Halen. I appreciate that they know when to end an album, and this album's only thirty-six minutes long. And it it's perfect. I couldn't imagine it any longer. And they know when to not add filler songs. And I love that about them. And they know how to make a song just be straight and to the point. Like at no point in any of the songs on Death of the Bachelor did I feel like, all right, let, let's get the song moving. Let's get it over with. Yeah. And that's something that I think that bands need to really uh, learn. And I think that we haven't had much of a problem with that in recent years because now songs are getting shorter and shorter with the popularity of TikTok. So I'm hoping they keep this up with whatever comes next. I hope so too. I really hope that they release the, their next album is like maybe like there's like a five minute song on there. Who knows? <laughs> as long yeah. as it's good. As long as it's good. Yeah. So I mean, that's gonna really. I think are we all set? I think that's it, right? I, I mean, I've covered everything I need to say on it. I, I overall, I'm just one last one last thought. I want to say that this album, I think, because given that it was the it was the album that got me into them, I truth be told, I, I just in conclusion, really, Brendan, if you're out there listening to this, we love you. We want to see you on tour, and we want to get VIP meet and greet packages as well. Just saying, for, the, <laughs> for me, Kyle, his girlfriend, and my friend Izzy, and we'll all go together. Let's <laughs> just put it that way. We're all gonna. A wonderful time um but yeah I, I love this album i think it's a i think truthfully it's a little bit like underappreciated in the modern like it kind of overlooked like you said a little bit but i think oh hopefully as time goes on people like us you know could talk about it and maybe someone will hear this podcast and say like oh wait like there was an album called death of a bachelor what and then they'll go back to it and then they'll get hooked hopefully yeah so fingers hopefully. crossed but uh but yeah that's gonna do it for us tonight uh thank you so much for watching listening however you streamed us tonight and as always i want to thank kyle for so much for joining and being a big big factor of uh, just like you know he, he this guy's a lot he has a lot of knowledge of music i applaud him a lot he's a good guy thank so, you thank you for i'm coming on as always kyle but yeah that's gonna do it for us thank you so much for listening and watching and we'll see you guys next week for another episode of uh, or whenever we do it again for another episode of career retrospectives and we're not sure the topic yet but we'll figure that out when it, when it comes so just stay tuned all right see you see next you time see you next